Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for none of them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fan Sighted. And as always, I am joined with good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. We are here to talk Brewers baseball today. So, Trevor. It is actually your birthday as we're recording this. How does it feel to be a quarter of a century old? You know, I expected to wake up this morning and just feel like an old hag, but it's been pretty good so far. I I definitely had a good weekend. I got to see you yesterday and hang out with you and Bryce, so that was fun. Definitely kicked your ass in some disc golf. We whooped the girls up in some euchre. Um, and, And right now... I just got home from my parents not too long ago, and now I'm drinking a Berry Weiss from Leinenkugels, or as Tyler pronounces it, Leinenkugels. Um, <laughs> and I'm about to switch over to one of my homebrews. So, I mean, it's it's been a pretty great weekend and a good birthday to cap the weekend. I am not looking forward to work tomorrow, that's for sure. Yeah, Mondays suck, but when your birthday's on a Sunday, it's got to make that Monday feel even worse. But glad I was able to celebrate with you. We went out to the uh, local brewery here in my town of Beaver Dam, celebrated your birthday, and gave a toast to my my old puppy who we had to let leave this earth this Friday. So that was a little sad, but also fun because it was your birthday. So good mix there. Yeah, and I I treated myself to an early birthday gift on Saturday. You've been (laughs) making me very jealous with your big TVs in your house, so I decided to join the club. (laughs) It's about time. Now I feel like we can switch off this uh, football season every Sunday at our different places, but before it was definitely going to be just here because I wasn't about to watch the Packers for another season on a 32-inch TV. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> Gosh, no. Oh, yeah. So it, it's been very good. The, the quality is awesome. I'm very happy with that purchase. And thank my lovely wife for letting me gift that to myself for my birthday in a couple weeks. <laughs> but, yeah, otherwise, I'm doing good. I, I made some old-fashioned mix this Sunday, so I'm not drinking a beer tonight. Decided to, to sample the, the mix, and it's... It's pretty, pretty tasty, so quite pleased with how that turned out. But as you know, let's transition into some brewer talk. Before we get into it, though, I do want to mention that last week was our most listened to podcast since the end of May when we had Dr. Scott on. So I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in as the season is getting ready to swing into full gear. Uh, It's definitely a testament to everyone going out looking for Brewers content because Trevor and I, we do our best, but we are not professionals by any means. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to that. I think part of that was, or maybe it wasn't part of our listens, but we definitely got a great shout out. And I know you do all of the, 
or most of the tweeting on our account comes from you, but we did get mentioned in a people to follow for Brewers Twitter, and we were mentioned in that, and that is great that people think that of us, well, you more so than myself, but it, it's great to get some recognition and have people follow us, and hopefully that helps more and more people be able to find our podcast because like Tyler said, we're not we're not professionals or anything like that, but hopefully we do give you guys some some good content that you can kind of take and go with and hopefully you agree with some of the shit we say and hopefully you're on the Corbin Burns bandwagon because I am all aboard that train right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I can imagine what you're going to talk about with Burns today here. <laughs> but let's make sure we hit on the most important content of today's podcast before we get into Corbin Burns. So I want to know what your favorite mic'd up moment or one-liner was over the course of this blue and gold scrimmage. We had Christian Yelich, Brent Suter, Ed Cedar, Brock Holt, and Logan Morrison all mic'd up this week. What was the one thing that stood out to you with those guys? So I wasn't able to watch either of the first two games. I imagine Brent Suter had some great, great content. But the thing that really stood out to me was Ed Cedar. He is a goofy, goofy guy. And like Tyler, we talked about this before, his voice just kind of adds to that goofiness. But he was fun to listen to. You know, when Brock Holt couldn't say, now I'm going to butcher it, David Freitas, Freitas, however you pronounce his name. When he was trying to pronounce his name, that was pretty good too. It, it's just a lot of fun to be able to get some of that interaction and hear more from the players outside of just like press conferences and stuff. Yeah, listening to the players and coaches interact was definitely a highlight just because I'm sure when they're not mic'd up, that's what they're saying. <laughs> and that just makes it even more hilarious. But yeah, I'm going to say Brett Suter was probably my favorite not only because I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan and Suter doing the play-by-play impersonations of with, of his voice was awesome, but I am definitely hooked on the one-liner of, I think it was Omar Narvaez hit a bomb to dead center, and Suter goes, oh, that was crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the weirdest thing ever, but it was hilarious. So we need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, we do. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So blue versus gold. It's been a weird scrimmage. I believe gold is up four to one now for those who really care. I don't I honestly don't remember who's on which team, but we're going to kind of recap the series how we do during the regular season, which will be on our next podcast already. So we're going to pick one series MVP so far. And then one series dud so far. So, who is your MVP? Well, well, well. We all know what I'm going to say, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, I am going to go with Corbin Burns. It's not only how he pitched. I just feel like getting to see him back to that 2018 form or possibly even better because he was great. And especially game two of the series, he was just phenomenal. So it is great to see that. And this bullpen has a lot of talent in it, but there's been a lot of questions. We've talked about it throughout this extended offseason. And Corbin Burns figuring it out and showing us that he figured it out is going to be huge for this Brewers team, this bullpen. And that's why I think he is the MVP. Not only did he pitch great, but it means so much. 
so much for this team if he is able to be back to 2018 form or possibly even better that is just huge for us um obviously Woodruff played has played well but we kind of expect that Ben Gamel I think has played really well too if he continues that that's definitely going to help the Brewers but I just feel like Corbin Burns is a more significant bigger and better possible contribution from Corbin Burns if he's able to continue this for so for me it's definitely Corbin Burns I mean when you go a no-hitter in four innings on the second true game. It wasn't really a game either. It's not like they were playing nine innings in game two, but to have a no-hitter through four innings and it's basically the start of camp or the restart of camp, however you want to go about that, with seven strikeouts, I mean, that's great stuff. His velocity has been good, 96 to 98 in that game. So it's just really, really exciting. And if he's able to continue that, like I said, that is going to really, really help out that bullpen and help out Knable Hader in particular, I think, is going to be huge. But also, maybe it's going to help out the starting rotation. Maybe it's going to be Corbin Burns is going to work our way up to having a second ace in the rotation. Never know. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely fighting for a rotation spot for sure. And his performance, as he said, backs up. And it backs it up and it's going to be hard to keep him out I think and you mentioned his velocity I think it's very important to remember that even in the fourth inning he was still touching 98 so his arm is definitely in good shape he was keeping up during quarantine and I think one of the more impressive parts about the start was just there was a crap ton of movement on his slider. I mean, we've had Jack Stern like all offseason keeping us hyped about Corbin Burns and talking about spin rate and revolutions per second and all that fancy mojo. But to actually see the pitches move, then he's actually utilizing that spin rate finally. So it's not just kind of sitting up there like it had been last year anyway. So it's good that he figured it out and really kind of kept the momentum going from spring training because he was pitching really good during that time frame as well. For me, my MVP was Brandon Woodruff. You mentioned he is an honorable mention for you, but I mean, throughout the first five games, he made two, we'll call them starts, through 9.1 innings, gave up only one earned run, and had 11 strikeouts. So he is... He is set and geared up for the Cubs come this Friday, and his velocity was there, his slider was there. He was striking Christian Yelich out left and right. I think he struck him out like five times during his his at-bats against him. So Woody is definitely looking like he's in mid-season form, picking, right, picking up right where he left off really from last season. But do you have anything else on Brandon Woodruff or any other honorable mentions for either the studs or the duds from this series? Yeah, I think Gamel definitely needs to be mentioned. I, I mentioned him briefly before. Great stuff from him. In terms of duds, I think there's one big one, uh, and that's Christian Yelich. You know, in your summary of the first five games, you tell me he goes 0 for 11 with seven strikeouts. That doesn't sound promising for a season that's going to start in less than a week at this point. So that that's a little bit uh, scary, um, but I'm sure MVP Christian Yelich is going to be just fine. It's just a little bit of a slump for him, and hopefully by you know this Friday, July 24th, that we're going to get MVP Christian Yelich back so he can destroy the Cubs on Friday night. 
he just doesn't want to waste his hits. I think that's what it is, and I think that's what he yeah, said mic'd up too. <laughs> yep, he's getting he's getting the slump out of the way for before the 60 games, so he can just go wrecker of worlds Christian Yelich mode for 60, and well, 60 plus because he's got to play in the playoffs and continue that stretch. Right, and it was kind of hard to keep stats because there's no like box score for these scrimmages, just because. You know, there's so many loose rules with what goes on. I mean, sometimes you're getting four outs in an inning or you're ending it early or whatever. But my estimated line based off all the data I could find for Yelich throughout five games was roughly one for 18 with 11 strikeouts. <laughs> so that's a big slump. But I, I have faith he's going to turn it around. I wrote an article for reviewing the brew a while ago, and I think it was last year Yelich hit 13 home runs in the first like 20 games or something ridiculous like that. So he definitely could start the year off hot, um, despite really not having any success whatsoever throughout the first couple games of the scrimmage. Other honorable mentions for me, though. Omar Narvaez, he had three home runs in five games, so that's quite significant. One of them was against former lefty Brett Anderson, so lefty-on-lefty matchup there. I think it's important to highlight that and kind of gets you wondering, like, hey, should we just say screw the platoon with Pena and let Narvaez rake, or what do you think there? I've been kind of under the assumption it's not going to be a true platoon. It's going to be, you know, that catcher rotation where the main guy catches four and then the other guy catches the fifth rotation pitcher or something along those lines. I imagine that's going to kind of be similar because, as you said, Nervaez has been pretty impressive. So to get him sitting on the bench, and he mentioned it um, in one of the interviews, I think it was game three, uh, the one when Eddie Cedar was mic'd up. During one of the innings, they were interviewing him, and they asked him about being a DH, and he said, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do for the team and those types of things, but I like to be seeing every pitch behind the plate and then being able to get in there. It just it sounded like it seems makes him see the ball a little bit better, so that's what he would prefer. And I think, based on his performance so far, I think you got to give him that number one catcher role, give him a break here and there. And on those off days, he can still be your DH. So to keep the bat in the lineup, pretty much every day is going to be very, very good uh, based on what he's done so far in this summer training camp. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's not going to be much, if any, of an offensive dip from what Grandal gave us last year, no matter where Narvaez is playing, DH and catching, whatever. So, and you know, he didn't play catcher, obviously, all the innings during the scrimmages. But when he was out there, I didn't notice, like, defense that would make me want to pull my hair out of course it's it's pretty early yet but that will be something to monitor and Craig Council's relayed that he's very impressed with how Narvaez has come along in that since spring training other honorable mentions I have I just want to mention two more one was Josh Lindblom he put together a good start went five innings gave up four hits one earned run with six strikeouts and then my other MVP honorable mention here is Justin Grimm. He had six strikeouts in seven total outs. So uh, absolutely striking guys out with that big breaker that he has. 
And then for duds, uh, Jake Faria was by far my biggest dud. We're going to transition into there. Gosh, he was terrible. Pitched roughly three innings, I believe, if I counted correctly, and gave up six earned runs. He gave up, he started one game and gave up four runs in the first inning. And one was a two-run homer to Jerko, and then the other one, it was another two-run homer off Ben Gamble. And then he pitched again today on Sunday in Game 5 and went two innings and gave up two two more runs. So not impressed with him, and I think his performance is probably going to leave him off the opening day roster. But who was your biggest dud of the series? You know, I mentioned Christian Yelich earlier, and that's not to say he's going to suck in the regular season because I still think he's definitely MVP worthy if he puts a good season together. Other than that, guys to keep an eye on, I mean, Adrian Hauser was not very good. Three and a third innings pitch, six earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. Five strikeouts, okay, but I mean, six earned runs in just over three innings, that's a little bit scary there. Um Freddy Peralta wasn't great, but he wasn't very good either. I mean, three and two-thirds innings, three earned runs, and just one strikeout for Freddy Fastball. I mean, those guys, I think you got to kind of mention them and, and think about what they're going to be able to do moving forward. I think you're done of the series. I think that's going to really kind of hinder him um, in terms of where he's going to start this year and what that means for his playing time with the Brewers this year based on how bad he looked so far. One thing I wanted to mention is Josh Hader, though. I like to see him throwing more off-speed. And I think part of that is, you know, this is getting ready for the season, and he wants to make sure those pitches are on, and he's going to continue to use his fastball upwards of, what, 65 70% or 75%, whatever Josh Hader's going to throw. He's going to throw a lot of fastballs. But I do think he is going to throw a little bit more off speed than he did last year. Um, and right now he's just kind of getting into the swing of things and make sure those pitches are on. So when the season does come and he does need to throw those pitches from time to time, they're ready to go. Um, and that's why we're seeing him throw a lot more right now. I, Like I said, I do believe he'll be closer to Josh Hader number splits, but adding a few more off-speed pitches for this 2020 season. Yeah, I agree. It was great to see him work on that off-speed. And yeah, sure, it kind of like impacted his results a little bit in the scrimmages. Like he actually got scored upon on Friday night. He walked Healy to start with, then Freitas hit a double, and then I don't remember who, someone hit a sack fly to score Healy. But like he's throwing so many sliders and so many change-ups right now. So it's it's definitely a good segue, and it's just him working on his craft, really. Like, he spent all of quarantine working on the off-speed pitches, as we mentioned in our last podcast. So now it's just getting to use them against live hitters, actually, rather than throwing against the net. And, yeah, once the season comes, I have no doubt he's <laughs> he's just going to obliterate whoever he plays. So th- that's a very good point that you bring up about Josh Hader. In other news, we're going to transition into the Cubs series because we finally know who the opening day starter is. It's Brandon Woodruff. Big shocker. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, we've talked about this even last year when we were podcasting. Are you worried about the curse? Let's just get this out of the way. 
No, I am not. I understand. Like, I understand why fans are hesitant and everything. But it's a fake curse. It's not real. He's going to be fine. He's going to be great. He's going to be better than he was last year. And if if I'm wrong, at me at Twitter. (laughs) Bender underscore Trevor. That's a lot of mad-faced emojis coming your way if if Woody has a bad opening day start. (laughs) No, he's going to come out. He's going to pitch six and two-thirds. He's going to have seven strikeouts, a walk, and an unearned run. I'll, you know, that I'll take that stat line. <laughs> I like the stats on the curse, though, like itself. Like, this is the Brewers' seventh different pitcher in seven seasons, and only the Padres have had more opening day starters in as many years. They're at eight, I think. <laughs> so I, I think that's going to end after this year. You have to believe, like, Woodruff's going to be around for a while, uh, you know, especially because he's not batting this year. So there's there's no freak injury that could likely take him out. Gosh, now I'm really nervous for saying that. But <laughs> Woody, Woody will get the ball on opening day versus Kyle Hendricks. Uh, in game two, it's been confirmed Brett Anderson will get the ball. He will face you, Darvish. And then in the third game versus the Cubs, Tyler Chatwood will get the ball for the Cubs. And for the Brewers, we don't know. It has not been leaked yet, and we do not know what the rest of the rotation will look like, those three through five guys. So do you have any predictions on three through five? Based on his performance in the Blue and Gold series, I think Josh Lindblom is kind of on the inside track for that number three starter. And then I think I I really want to believe that they're going to put Corbin Burns in the starting rotation, but I'm not convinced they're going to do it right away. I think they might. I think there's a possibility of it, but I'm not entirely convinced. So I'm just going to say what I would like to see. So you mentioned uh, Woodruff opening day then brett anderson in the two hole there game three i think it's going to be Lindblom, burns in game four and then i'm going to go with lauer in game five as our fifth guy in the rotation there ah interesting you know i put lauer on our list here i have to double check he was on the covid injured list but he did pitch today i don't know if there's like any weird requirements that he like couldn't pitch opening day which i don't think would or not or like opening series which i don't think makes any sense because he pitched around the brewers today so he should be good to go as far as i understand but you know he lauer kind of had some limited opportunities he pitched one inning today in in game five of the series and they only gave him one inning and he, he looked great pumped a bunch of strikes his first six pitches he struck out i think it was brock holt and omar narvaez on six straight strikes and then ended up striking out the side, getting uh, Jed Jerko for the third and final out. So I- I'm very curious to see how he progresses because he's definitely going to get lots of pitching opportunities this year. I just, I don't think he's going to be in the starting rotation to start with because he's technically a little behind in terms of facing live hitters at this point compared to the other guys. So I filled out my third spot with Lindblom, just like you. I fourth went with Hauser, and I went with him because he was in the rotation last year. I thought he was better out of the bullpen, but due to injuries and unforeseen circumstances, he just kept finding his way back in the rotation. So I think that's where he'll be again. And then I went with Burns in number five, just because 
the Brewers have been building him up as a starter throughout spring training and summer camp, and he's definitely outpitched Freddie Peralta, whose first inning struggles got the best out of him in his one start so far this series. So I feel like Peralta's going to move to the bullpen to start, or maybe you know maybe it's like a tandem situation if you have like Brett Anderson starts someone who's a little bit slower of a starter then you bring in Freddie Peralta right after that a little bit higher heat and that mid 90s that you get that way you get that contrast and speed um I think that'd be something cool to see plus the lefty righty mix right there so how do you feel about that I think that would not be a bad idea and it kind of gives Freddie time and gives him kind of an into the rotation without fully getting him in there. And hopefully we don't see whatever inning he would come in. Hopefully we don't kind of see that first inning of his work type of struggles. Hopefully he's able to get over that as he's working his way up to possibly a rotation spot. Yeah, because I know last year the Brewers used an opener at least a couple of times for Freddie. So it it wasn't I was necessarily his first inning that he was in. It was just the first inning of the game. <laughs> he just couldn't pitch for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's thinking too much before the game. I I don't know. Either way, Peralta's going to have a role, and he's he's definitely been extended, so he can pitch multiple innings. It's not like he's going to be one and done unless that's what Council wants out of him at that given time. So It'll be interesting to see how it looks after all said and done. But the rest of the 30-man opening day roster is starting to take a little bit of shape. So we have Logan Morrison, who officially made the roster. That was announced today, Sunday the 19th. And then Justin Grimm was also announced as well. He's officially in on the opening day roster, too. How do you feel about these guys making it? You know, I think that's a good thing, and I think these guys definitely deserve to be on that roster, and it'll be interesting to see who are the rest of the players that are going to join them on that, uh, you know, opening day 30-man roster. Yeah, the rest is to be determined, and, you know, it's the Brewers kind of constructed a lineup going into the season of we have a bunch of guys who are poised for bounce-back seasons, and Lomo and Grimm are two of them, and they've had great camps great spring training so they've they've definitely earned them nothing has just been handed over to them so you just kind of have to hope um, with how everyone is on the Lomo train we can see the 38 home run Logan Morrison this year you know at least that level of play because that's how he's been playing so far you just gotta gotta sustain it throughout this 60 games but there are some players on the bubble yet and you you said you're curious how it's going to shake out, but those bubble guys are guys like Bobby Wall, J.P. Feierheisen, Ray Black, uh, Eric Yardley, Devin Williams. I don't know if Alex Claudio and David Phelps are on the bubble. I think they're in, but I'll leave it up to you um, what you're thinking about these bubble players. Well, I think those two you mentioned, Claudio and Phelps, I think just based on experience, they're going to be in, but there is cuts cutbacks to 28 and then 26 correct correct so it'll be interesting to see not only who makes the 30 but who is going to be cut after that is claudio or phelps going to be one of those guys because some of these young guy, younger guys kind of step up you know we see ray black start to get control down or bobby wall comes back from his injury last year and he's a very good pitcher and you start to trust him, you know, in the seventh, Canable in the eighth, and Hater in the ninth. And now, do you really need Alex Claudio? Like, what, 
what do these other players do to kind of force the Brewers' hands in terms of where the cuts are going to happen? I think just because I like these three players, I think Wall, Fireheisen, and Black are going to be on there. I do like Devin Williams as well. I haven't watched a lot of Eric Yardley, but between Wall, Fireheisen, and Black, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of potential. And if these guys hit, like I mentioned, if Ray Black figures out that control accuracy issue that he has, if he figures that out and is spot on in his placements, he's going to be a pretty damn good bullpen pitcher in this league. So getting him an opportunity to continue to work on that is going to be very important. And I think being on the 30 man is going to be what needs to happen for, for Ray Black. Other than that, I I like Bobby Wall and JP Fireisen as well. I hope they make the roster as well. And I'm really interested, like I said, to watch what happens with those younger guys that kind of have more potential and what that's going to do to the more veteran guys in Claudio and Phelps as the season progresses and as the Brewers need to cut players. Yeah, Ray Black has had a great camp so far. And unfortunately for him, game five of this series here, he he threw a 90 mile per hour fastball and then council yanked him after that. Because as you know, he's he's normally up near that 97, 98 range. So something may be going on there with him. We'll just have to pay attention as we learn more. But the three guys you mentioned, Wall, Fireheyes, and Black, that's a lot of velocity right there. That That's crazy. So, I don't know, the one bubble guy I'm really excited about is is Devin Williams. He's pitched great, as have most of the pitchers really throughout summer camp. But he's been getting a ton of strikeouts. And during the broadcast today, they said a pretty funny remark. I'm trying to remember who exactly came up with it. But they started calling Devin Williams Dave Williams because they're like, he's like a whole new guy. His velocity has increased at least a good four or five ticks. That slider's got a lot of movement to it and is getting close to the high 80s. So th- that's definitely some good stuff to work with there for Devin Williams. Hopefully, hopefully he's figured something out and can contribute in meaningful ways and in clutch moments for this bullpen. Any other thing that you want to touch on, Trevor, before we wrap up? No, I do not believe so. I'm just really excited to see the Brewers whip up on the Cubs. <laughs> Amen to that. So July 24th is opening day. We got a couple things coming up before we get there. The blue and gold scrimmage is technically still going on, even though the gold has technically clinched the win. So that will go on Monday and Tuesday. Both of those will be live streaming at 110. So, of course, while we're all at work. Wednesday night, the Brewers will play the White Sox in a televised game by Fox Sports Wisconsin. That starts at 7:10 as a little exhibition game. Thursday, the Brewers are off, at least from what we can see. They'll be doing a workout at Wrigley. And then opening day is 6:10 on Friday, and that will be on Fox Sports Wisconsin and ESPN as we get to watch our Brewers whoop down on the Cubs. So with that being said, we will come back at you with a Cubs series recap next Monday. So until then, we'll talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Burns. Burns.